show me wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Look at my eye. Lock a hand. Thumb inside. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Yes! Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. It's time! Tommy Sandafra. Welcome in. This is UFC 289 here on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I am AJ Hoffman, joined as I have been by Sleepy J. Sleepy, how are we, brother? I'm doing good. How are you? I uh, no complaints here, man. UFC 289 coming up on Saturday. I will say uh, it's kind of a shitty card. Um, if you're asking me to pay 75 bucks, whatever, 70 bucks for a card, this is a tough sell. I do think that the the top two fights are pretty strong. Uh, in fact, I, I think Dariush and Oliveira is maybe the best matched fight outside of Volkanovski Makashev since 2023 began. So I think it's a fantastic fight. The rest of the card doesn't feel pay-per-view worthy. Um, that said, the, the beauty of the way we've done this show is we talk about the main event, we talk about the co-main event, and then we just give a best bet from the rest of the card. So we don't have to discuss all the bad fights. We're going to discuss the two good fights. And we're going to give our favorite plays for the card. So uh, it should be a, a fun show. Sleepy, let's start in the main event. Where Amanda Nunes gets a an opponent change. Uh, she was supposed to have her trilogy fight with Juliana Pena. That is not going to happen. Pena gets injured. I think maybe the fight gets a little bit more interesting with Irene Aldana, who I think is probably a little more of a challenge right now than Juliana Pena was. I know Juliana Pena has a win over Amanda Nunes. I think if they fight that fight 20 times, that was the one that uh, that Amanda wins. Or, or, so, or excuse me, that Juliana wins. So I'm not saying like it's you know it, it's an impossible feat. But I wouldn't have expected Juliana to put up much of a fight. Aldana may not either. I, I don't know. What I do know is she is a dangerous striker, and I mean Nunez hits as hard as anyone. Nunez finished Cyborg in under a minute. Finished Ronda Rousey in under a minute. Like this, this she's the greatest female fighter of all time. And they're running out of options of who to throw at her. But at least this is someone new. Uh, this is someone who is a, a technically sound kickboxer, uh, has some some solid power. So there's some things to like about Aldana here. If you like her, it's it's gonna call. It's you've got a good payout coming. Uh, you can find Aldana at plus two sixty right now. Um, Nunez, by the way, on the comeback is minus three fifty. I don't think I can get there with Aldana winning this fight. But I do think that that Nunez is a maybe not as motivated as she once was. Uh, I, I think we really saw that in the first Pena fight. I think she she didn't take training seriously. She's got kids now. Uh, it, it's she's accomplished pretty much everything you can. Like if you say who's the be, who's the the next best female fighter of all time, whoever you pick, 
Amanda Nunes has finished her. Like it, it, whether it, the only, the only names you'll ever hear are, you know, Valentina Shevchenko, Ronda Rousey, Cyborg Santos, and she's finished all of them. So it, she is the goat when it comes to women's MMA. And maybe at some point, like your, your motivation starts to dry up a little bit. The other thing to consider is she is not a, uh, a, a young lady anymore. This is, we're talking about, you know, at some point you're 35 years old, you're not training as hard as you used to. It's harder to get to where you need to be, to be ready to fight. It's, it's possible that we're starting to see her fade. So her fights have become more competitive over time. Like the fact that she couldn't finish Juliana Pena last time out, surprising. Uh, in fact, she didn't Felicia finish Felicia Spencer back in 2020, surprising. Um, but I think the fight that this sort of looks like is the Jermaine Durandamy fight that, that happened back at UFC 245. You've got a, a, a strong, lengthy kickboxer in Jermaine Durandamy who... Nunez did what I think is the smart thing. She she played the fight safe, and she had a lot of takedowns, a lot of control time, uh, and I think that's the the recipe to beat Aldana. I think she's aware. Amanda's aware now that her gas tank is not what it used to be. Uh, she gassed out so quickly in that fight against uh, against Juliana Pena that she lost. I think she's aware now that, you know, her gas tank isn't what it was when she was 28. So I think she is conservative here. I think she wins, but I think she wins a decision. I I don't think this is a blowout fight. And I shouldn't say it's not a blowout fight. It could very easily be 50-45. But I, I do think that this is not like a blitz through type of fight, which we've seen a lot of uh, in Amanda Nunez's career. What do you? How do you see this thing playing out? Well, it sounds like a lot of the wise guys – Maybe the contrarian people are all picking Aldana to go in here and spring the upset. I'm not in that camp. What I've seen from her hasn't really been all that impressive. I go back to her last fight against Jason where, you know, she got lucky. She was clearly losing that fight in the second round. I scored that like a 10-8 round. And then going into the third, uh, I think at least midway through, she was getting beat. She was on the ground on her back. She landed that up kick and, yep. you know, clipped her in the liver. Like one of the craziest finishes. That That's a rare finish, a body kick finish from the ground. That's pretty wild. I mean, you got to give her credit for, for landing it, but I clearly had her losing that fight. And then the fight before that against Santos, she clearly won that fight. I mean, she pretty much mauled her. But what I've seen from her, at least on the ground, not impressive. And I think that that's where Nunes is going to go here. Like you were talking about, getting a little bit older, getting a little bit slower, you know, worried about that gas tank. And I think that's what Nunes is going to do here. I think she's going to go in there and try to get a bunch of takedowns and just try to grind out a win here. I mean, when she fought Pena, she went for eight attempts, takedowns, and landed six of them. And she had like almost 12 minutes of control time. So I think that that's her path to victory. I'm not necessarily sure that it goes the distance. I was actually looking at Nunes to go in and win this one by submission. It's not like she hasn't submitted people before. She won the title that way when she beat Tate. I think she might look to go that route here. And what I've seen from Aldana on the ground is not impressive. So that's what I was looking to do here with Amanda. Maybe with my best bet, I can go ahead and maybe parlay her because I am looking at taking a little bit of chalk for my best bet. But I don't see Amanda losing here. But let me ask you this question because this is kind of what I was thinking. Let's say she wins this fight, AJ. 
is there a chance that she retires and then she comes out of retirement to go ahead and finish the trilogy off with Pena? I, I, I don't think she would go into retirement. I think she would just wait and, and have that Pena fight be her last fight. Like, I, I don't expect uh, Amanda to fight many more times, but I, I, I really think she fights this fight. And then she fights, uh, she fights Juliana Pena just so she can break up that the one-one. But I, I don't think she, I think it'd be unwise because remember when she lost the first time to Juliana, she was coming off a long layoff. I, I think she want if she's going to take that fight and that's going to be her last fight. I would expect her to stay, stay to try and stay sharp in the training room and try and be as ready as possible. And I think anytime you're coming out of retirement, you're taking a lot of chances. Yeah. Okay. All right. It was just something that I was thinking about. You, you mentioned the the wrestling of Aldana, and she's a terrible defensive wrestler. Holly Holm took her down five times. Holly Holm is like a professional kickboxer and a boxer. Like Holly Holm w- was having her way on uh, in takedowns against Irene Aldana. Five minutes, sixteen seconds of control time in that fight. That's ugly. Uh, Nunez can take her down whenever she wants. Like, th- th- there's no question, and that's the safest route, right? Like, if, if there's, if you're fighting against someone who their only chance of beating you up is on the feet, I, I really think Amanda Nunez, her, she's smarter than people give her credit for. I mean, she can bang with with anybody. Like I said, she's knocked out some of the best in the game, but I think that she's just a fight, a smart fighter, and I think the smart fight here is to control Aldana on the ground. You know, what I was thinking about with Amanda was sometimes when you come off of a loss, like you either come back a, a, a worse version of yourself or a better version. And I actually think this is like the better version because she went to what was going to get her a win over Juliana. I think that that probably rounded her out a little bit. I don't think she wants to stand with Aldana. I mean, I went back and I watched some of her fights, rewatched them again. I'm like, you know what? That chick could strike, dude. Like she can She's throw- dangerous, no doubt. We've seen her, you know, put some put some pretty good beatings on some people. So I don't see why Amanda would want to do that. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm going to go a little bit out of the box here and go ahead. I'll play Amanda Nunes to go ahead and win this by submission at 5-1. to one. I'll do that, and then I'll contemplate, you know, maybe using her in the parlay. All right. Sounds like we uh, we agree on what, what's going to happen in, in this matchup, uh, although you see it a little more. Uh, you, you see a finish. I, I, I do think it gets to the final bell or at least late into the fight before a finish happens. Let's move to the co-main event, which I've already talked about being one of the the best fights on the card. I I do think this is fantastically matched between the former champion Charles Dubronx Oliveira and Benil Dariush. And this the the fight odds, I think maybe don't do the quality of this fight justice. Oliveira plus one twenty five favorite, Dariush minus one fifty. I see some value in Charles as a dog at this price. When when it was minus one twenty and plus one hundred five, I was like, okay, I, I, I could I could see that being right. Plus one twenty five seems like a really big number on Charles Oliveira. When you consider this, he I think some of this, his stock went down against Islam Makashev. He did not look good in that fight. He did not look competitive in that fight. But we just saw Makashev and Volkanovsky fight for maybe the pound-for-pound title. There's no doubt. Whoever you think won that fight, and I actually think Volk won that fight. But Islam Makashev is one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. I think that maybe that loss 
made people forget that Charles Oliveira finished Michael Chandler, finished Dustin Poirier, finished Justin Gaethje. Like, he's finished the best of the best in that lightweight division. Dariush is on a great run, but this feels like a level up for uh, for Benil Dariush. Like, this, this feels like a fight where, and Dariush isn't a young guy. Like, this is an, he's an older dude. So getting to this level at this age, it feels like him at a minus 150, that, that feels like a heavy price to pay. What are, which way are you leaning in this? I'm leaning towards Dariush. I'll probably end up making that wager. And I'm also leaning that this one will go the distance, which that kind of had me scratching my head a little bit. It was minus 320. Well, this is the first time in forever that Oliveira hasn't fought in a five-round fight. Like he's he's been the champion for so long. It's five. It's been five round fights. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why the to go the distance was kind of weird. Like I can get it. Like if you get in the fourth, get in the fifth, you know, guys get tired. You know, you end up you know getting some subs, especially with these two guys. You know, going back to what you were just saying about Oliveira, though, like who's betting Dariush right now? We haven't seen a whole lot of him. Yeah, he's had a couple you know top ten fights. But Oliveira's been a headliner, co-headliner. He's been one of the biggest names in the UFC over, what, the last two, three years. So people know him, and I think a lot of people are, are, are actually trying to bet him right now. But I just wonder if, if maybe the real wise guy money is coming in here on Dariush. Because my first reaction when I saw this matchup, and I'm a Dariush guy, I've, I've been on him for years. I thought that the UFC kind of slighted him a little bit that he should have probably been here a little bit sooner than than now. It's funny because I think these two guys are, are like the the career trajectory is so similar because both of them looked like they were going to be just guys early in their career. And obviously Oliveira had a lot of submissions, but he had a, a lot of losses. He had a propensity for quitting fights and he had some losses that in hindsight, it's like that guy beat Charles Oliveira, that guy, that's crazy. And you can look at Dariush and, and see the same thing. Ramsey Nijum knocked Benil, Benil Dariush out clean. Um, you know, it, it, like Michael Chiesa tapped him out. Uh, it, he had a, a draw against Evan Dunham. And Evan Dunham, like, w- immediately was pretty much out of the UFC after that. And then Alexander Hernandez came in on short notice and just crushed him in 42 seconds. So it was like man, is this guy that good? Now he's gone on this crazy run, much like Charles Oliveira did. I mentioned some of the guys he beat, but um, beating out Diego Ferreira and and Matus Gamrot, like these are big wins that he's gotten. And there's no doubt he's a dangerous dude. I I think that, you know, like if you think this is a a walkthrough fight for either guy, I, I think you're crazy. I will say this, like probably the if the best guy on his resume, the best win on his resume is probably Tony Ferguson. And that was Tony Ferguson in 2021, which is not the prime Tony Ferguson. So I, I do think this is like this is the toughest lo- fight of Benil's career. And this is probably like outside the top five toughest fights in Charles Oliveira's career. And I'm not saying that it, like that Benil can't win that. Uh, I I think he he certainly can. I I I really believe this should be a pick 'em fight. But when you've been tested the way Oliveira has, and Oliveira like he like that's the biggest thing that's happened for him. I think is that men, he's overcome that mental like that thought that he can find a way out of a fight. 
And in all those fights that I mentioned, the Chandler fight, the Gaethje fight, the Poirier fight, he was in big trouble in all those fights. And he fought through it and the other guy made a mistake and, and got caught. And the other thing I like here about Oliveira is that he is able to throw strikes against guys like Dariush because he's not really, Oliveira's not afraid to be taken down. Most of the guys Dariush fights don't want to be taken down. So they're unwilling to throw kicks. They're unwilling to throw knees. Oliveira has proven time and again, he doesn't, he's not worried about going to the mat. He's okay with that. And it, it's, is it going to work 100% of the time? No. You saw him get submitted by Makashev. But more often than not, Oliveira's got a grappling advantage over whoever he's in there with. So if the fight hits the ground, okay, he's fine with that. He's he's probably the most dangerous guy in the world off his back. But in Darius, I, I wonder how, how willing he's going to be to chase a takedown. The, the last thing I'll say about this is Darius is now 34 years old and he I'm not saying that he he certainly doesn't look like he's fading but he's of an age where you you probably start to see some decline and when you're maybe starting to decline and you're going against the best fighter you've ever faced it feels like a tough ask for me especially when you've got to pay minus 150 for it so I, I I'm I'm gonna stick with what with Charles uh, here at plus one twenty five. All right. Well, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna play this one to go the distance at plus two twenty. That's a crazy payout. It is a crazy payout. And Oliveira. I mean, I think it's because Oliveira just hasn't gone the distance in so long. But the last three fights for Dariush, all decisions. Like he is a he's he's a safe fighter, no doubt. Oliveira sort of throws caution to the wind. Um. And he, I mean, Oliveira's had in, in this run where like the, so the last time he lost was 2017. But if you go all the way back, it, the last time he's had since 2014, he won a, in 2014, he won a unanimous decision against Jeremy Stevens. Since then, one fight has gone to decision. And that was with Tony Ferguson back in 2020. Uh, other than that, it's all kill or be killed. So I, I think that's why you get the heavy payout. But this does feel if, if I were looking for a, an Oliveira fight that I thought, and especially the fact that it's a three round fight, an Oliveira fight that can go the distance, I think this is probably a good choice for one. And like you just said, like a lot of people have seen that he hasn't gone the distance, but he's in there with guys that, that typically are going to go out there and just try to light the world on fire, like Chandler and Poirier and Gaethje. Like, we know what they yep. do. They go out there and they try to knock your head off and give Charles credit for doing what he did against those guys. But I don't think Darius is that type of fighter. Like, I don't see any any type of Chandler or Gaethje, you know, in Darius. Like, I, he's just – he's a little bit too slow. He, he, I mean, he could do everything well. I mean, he's probably, you know, a B-plus fighter in, in pretty much every area. But I don't think either of these guys can submit each other. I mean, I'm, hold on, let me take that back. They can submit each other, but I just don't think that that that's going to happen. They're just too good defensively. And I don't like Dariush's power. Like, yeah, I mean, he can knock some of these other guys out, but Charles has a chin. Like, he's been tested. He's been cracked by some of these guys before. So I don't know if he can KO Charles. I'll tell you what scares me. And I don't know if you've watched a lot of Dariush fights recently and, and maybe picked up on this. One of the things that he does is, like, he's going to scramble. He's going to get you down on the ground. He's going to end up, uh, you know, standing over top of you. And in multiple fights for him, he he was 
leaving himself wide open for an upkick, as we were just talking about, you know, a little while ago with Aldana. And I can actually see Charles maybe landing some type of upkick and knocking him out, like just this freakish type of KO. That's the only way that I see this fight kind of end up not going the distance and Charles winning. Well, if you if you go back, like, so the, his last two fights, uh, Darius's last two fights, Gamrot and Ferguson, fights where Darius probably had a clear advantage if he got the fight to the mat. Before that, in it, uh, February of 21, he fought Diego Federa, and who's a, another fantastic submission specialist, a, B, a BJJ ace. And that was a split decision. That was a close fight because Dariush wasn't totally comfortable on the mat really at any point. I could see that this kind of fight breaking out where like where Dariush almost settles into being a striker. And I think if it's a stand-up fight, I don't see either guy getting finished. I I, I think it does go the distance if the, if these guys just are content to to strike because I think both guys both guys have some pop, uh, but. I, I think that's the the least of our concerns if you're talking about where a finish comes from. Well, that actually surprised me a little bit because I would have thought that maybe the ground would have been my safest area. And then now you're saying that. that, that so that just makes me feel even so much better. I, I don't think there's ever a safe place on the mat with Charles Ovid. I mean, this guy's got more submissions than anyone in the history of the UFC. Like he is the most dangerous ground fighter ever. Uh, so I, I don't think that that's the safe place. I think the safe place is on the feet. And, and like you said, we've seen Oliveira get cracked and he falls, but it's not like he's getting put clean to sleep in these things. Like he, he falls, he recovers guard or he, he challenges you to get down on the mat with him and he either survives the round or he finds a submission. So I, I'm with you. I, I think this one, it wouldn't shock me for this one to go over. I, like I, I'm probably wanting to play it a little bit safer than you like you're saying goes a distance i like just over one and a half rounds uh you can get that at, at about minus 140 right now uh if you like over two and a half rounds you can get plus 140 so but the, the decision prop i i don't think is a bad call by you well i'll go ahead i'll do that and and i'm i'm probably gonna end up playing dariush minus the 140 and i think i have to go back to what we were just talking about with amanda nunez you know, what version are you going to get, you know, coming off of a loss? And I don't know what version I'm going to get, you know, off of Oliver. I mean, he was on that crazy win streak, and he just blew through everybody, got the belt, defended it multiple times. And I just wonder where his hunger is at. You know, is it is it does he want to get back in the ring again against a guy like Makachev? I don't know. But I know Dariush wants to because I actually think that, that he has this really weird hidden confidence, and it, it doesn't come across as cocky. But I feel like Darius thinks that he can hang with a guy like Makachev because, you know, he's a B-plus fighter pretty much in every area. And I think that he actually thinks that he can hang with Makachev on the ground. So I like his confidence. I don't know where Charles is at. So I'm going to take Darius. And like I said in the beginning, like I've been a Darius guy. I've been pulling for this guy to, you know, be in this fight multiple times, you know, before this fight even took place. So I'll go ahead. I'll take a chance with him. But I really do like the... uh, I like this fight to go the distance. So I think at plus 220, that's a pretty solid wager for me. All right, let's get to the good stuff. Let's uh, let's talk best bets. Uh, I'll give you the honors. Where are you leaning for your best bet this card? I'm going to go down to the prelim card, which I don't even know if this is even – it's funny you, you started out with this card. Is it that good? I wouldn't probably pay for this either. Unfortunately, I stream everything, so. <laughs> you know, of course you don't do that. <laughs> Hypothetically, you would, but of course you don't do that. That's, that's true. 
Um, so this is like, it, to me, it doesn't even seem like it's a fight night type of card, but I'm going to go way down the prelim card here, all the way down to Blake Builder, who is an undefeated fighter. And he's going to go up against a guy, Kyle Nelson and Kyle Nelson, since he's been in the UFC, it hasn't been pretty Four of the six fights that he, that he's had have ended up in losses for him. And his last fight was a draw, but Blake Builder. No, I saw him fight in his last match, and I was impressed by him. And I was like, oh, I, you know, maybe when he comes back around again, you know, I'll take a look at who he's fighting. Now, he's minus 240 here, AJ. And I think he he has what it takes on the feet and on the ground. So what I'm going to do here is probably parlay him. And I really like Miranda Maverick. She's a, a big favorite. She's going to go up uh, against a girl that I think she could easily take care of. I'm looking at maybe parlaying Blake Builder with her. Maybe Blake Builder with Dan Ige, and the more that I talk to you, maybe there's a chance that I could parlay him with Amanda Nunes. So I'm going to use Blake Builder. He's going to be my best bet. I don't know where I'm going to put him right now. Uh, I don't want to lay the 240, even though I, I feel very comfortable doing that. But I feel the best bet is to use him in some type of a parlay with one of the three fighters that I mentioned. Okay. Uh, and I, I, I'm i actually going to – I have a parlay uh, with – Miranda Maverick, David Dvorak, and Amanda Nunez that pays out plus 143. Uh, so that's two of the fighters you were talking about. So Blake Builder, his number is very similar to David Dvorak. So if you if you parlay three of those, that's about your payout is around plus 140-something. So, um, yeah, that, I, I think Builder's a good a good parlay piece as well. Uh, I, I, I'll say this. I looked at that fight. Uh, I looked at the total for that fight because what I've seen historically out of, of Kyle Nelson is he starts to melt as the fight goes on. And I, it, it wouldn't shock me at all if Kyle Nelson looks better in round one than Blake builder, but, but it feels like as if, if Kyle Nelson can't get you out of there, he just falls apart and it feels like they've kind of thrown him on this card because he's Canadian his last fight was a draw that he probably should have lost. If he lost that fight, who knows if he's even here right now. Uh, so I, I'm with you. It feels like Blake Builder is a, a pretty safe uh, pretty safe piece for a parlay here. All right. So I'll go ahead and we'll do that. And uh, I'm glad you said Miranda Maverick. So that, that's probably the one I'll end up going with. So For my best bet, I'm going to go with Nasruddin Imavov uh, against Chris Curtis. This is the, the featured prelim fight, which I, I'll be honest – when you look at the full card, this should probably be the, the third fight on the pay-per-view. I'm not sure why like this isn't on the pay-per-view card. Imavov just headlined uh, a fight night. Chris Curtis was just in one of the better fights we've seen in a long time with Kelvin Gastelum, and now these guys are on the prelims. It doesn't make much sense. But uh, both guys, I mentioned both those guys' last fights coming off losses. Uh, Curtis dropped a, a, a tough decision against Kelvin Gastelum controversial because uh Gastelum dropped Curtis but when you look at the replay it was a headbutt like a clash of heads is what dropped Curtis and they never they never called it that they never told the judges that so the judges score that round for Gastelum a tough break for Chris Curtis certainly and Amavov I thought looked a little bit overmatched against Sean Strickland I thought he'd be more competitive I actually thought he'd win that fight especially Strickland coming in on short notice but I do think Amavov presents some problems for, for Curtis. At 6'3", a, a middleweight, that's a big middleweight, I think he's going to give Curtis some trouble. Curtis, who's like 5'9", a stockier middleweight, 
Uh, and if you remember the Jack Hermanson fight that Chris Curtis had, it was sort of that same thing. Like he's he, Curtis struggled with the distance. He struggled to get inside and, and do any real damage against Hermanson. And Imavov is a super technical striker. He's got a proven chin. He's never been finished. So when you when you take that into account and you think Curtis's best chance is landing some sort of a big shot, I, I just don't have that worry with the Mavov. I don't worry about him getting crushed. Uh, I think Curtis is durable. Uh, I, 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 so I, I think he's going to be tough to get out. But I do think there's going to be some frustration for Chris Curtis. Uh, so I, I like Imavov here, minus 150. That'll be my best bet for this uh, this pod, and I, I think that he probably wins a, a nice decision here, a comfortable decision here. All right, well, I'm still a little salty with Chris Curtis. Obviously, I gave him out last time we did a podcast. He was you know, the best bet that I gave out not to be the case, but I have no problem here with your pick. I think the fact that he went through Shabazi in the way he did, Buckley the way that he did, and I think it was a big step up for him going up against a guy like Sean Strickland. I mean, that dude's one of the best in the division. Sure. You have to worry when he, maybe he steps up to the toughest class, but I don't think Chris Curtis is in there. I think Chris Curtis is like the, he is the gatekeeper of the middleweight division. Like he decides if you're good or not. Mm -hmm. And so when, if I'm handicapping a Chris Curtis fight, my, my thought is, is the guy he's fighting good enough to eventually be like a contender. And despite what we saw in the Strickland fight, yeah, I, I think Amavov's good enough to to uh, eventually. He might, he might not be there right now, but I think eventually he's a guy who's going to to if if not challenge for a title, he's going to be in the in the upper echelon of middleweights. I'm glad you said that because that's exactly what I was thinking with him. Was like maybe they just pushed him a little bit too quick, too fast when they threw him in there with with Strickland. And you go before like the Ian Heinish fight when he ended up taking on Phil Haas, like. Maybe they just rushed him into that. Like maybe he needed a couple more fights. So sometimes I think, and that's how these guys end up. It's like, well, how, you know, this this guy's supposed to be fighting for a title on this, but he's got all these losses. Sometimes I think that the UFC does a great job, actually, of whipping guys in there and giving them as much experience as possible. And I think maybe that could be the case here with Nasruddin a little bit, that maybe he just got thrown into some, into some tough fights. Like Phil Haas is not a bum. Obviously, Sean Strickland not a bum. I, that's kind of the way I felt with him, like, Maybe they could have maneuvered a little bit easier with his with his career to you know not have him with these losses. And I mean, you got to consider that Sean Strickland fight was on short notice. Mm -hmm. So Sean Strickland's a tough dude, man. And take, getting that fight on short notice is that's not going to be a walk for anybody. So uh, I, I think Amavov gets back on the winning track here. All right, before we get out of here, let's uh, sleepy. You have a, a promo code for the people to save some money at pregame. All right, so the code this week for you guys to go ahead and save 20% over there at pregame.com will be CHAMP20, that's C-H-A-M-P-20, CHAMP20 to save 20% on anything over there at pregame.com. It just doesn't have to be UFC. You guys can pick anything you want at pregame.com. AJ, I'm sure, even for this you know week card that we talked about, that you're going to have some solid winners there uh, over there at pregame. Are you planning on putting up a package? The package is is posted already and um you know this they we finally got in the back end uh, a way for me to to track the picks and you know uh it, it, like put put them in individually uh and right now uh since we've been doing that I'm 22 and 17 that's 56.4% but up plus 16 units so uh things have been going well lately with the UFC 
Um, so good chance to, uh, to make some money on this card. I think it, like if, if you're not watching it for the entertainment, cause it's not the best card, might as well make some money on it. Right. And I'm not sure if you noticed in the back end there, AJ, you can also bet the UFC live now. And I was actually doing that in the NBA finals, making some live bets. So maybe when a commercial comes or in between rounds, you can say, you know what, I'm starting to see something that I really like. And then we can hurry up. We can get a bet in there. It'll go out to all your subscribers through text. So there's another way. So if you haven't seen that yet, I can walk you right through there. It'll take you about 10 seconds for me to show you how to, how to lock in a live wager. I think that that's something that that you might actually enjoy. Yeah, it is something fun, man. And and I love that the UFC's gotten good about this. They've embraced the betting aspect. And you see a lot of uh, live odds posted between rounds. So and it also gives you kind of a feel for where the fight's going. So if you uh, and and I'm, you won't find me doing this, but if you feel like you're in a situation where you need to hedge out of a fight, sometimes you've got an opportunity to do that. So uh, that's a, that's something that's certainly available to us now at pregame. All right, so that's going to do it for the UFC 289 Dream Preview. I've been your host AJ Hoffman, joined by Sleepy J. Sleepy, always a pleasure, my friend. Enjoy the fights this week. No matter how you watch them, I'm not here to judge. But, you know, I'm sure you'll watch them in a totally legal fashion. Uh, Either way, enjoy the fights, and we'll talk to you guys before UFC 290. No streaming.